0: And they described that several people said there is a backdoor in FTX's bookkeeping systems. And that was built right into the bookkeeping system, which is not based on like Oracle or SAP or other known financial software. This was FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried. Basically, they coded their own financial bookkeeping system.
1: In this episode of the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds, Tom Fox and Matt Kelly take a deep dive into the catastrophic failure of the cryptocurrency exchange, FTX. We take a look at it from a variety of angles, including the greatest corporate scandal ever? What were the internal control failures? What did FTX do that brought this on themselves? And where are the regulators in this matter? I know you'll enjoy this episode. Before we get started with our podcast, a quick word from our sponsor. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again with Matt Kelly for another episode of the award winning Compliance Into the Weeds. Matt, oh, many people think the Elon Musk Twitter affair rhymes with the word called it show. Turns out there's even more insanity in the world. There is. In the business world. And it involves a company called FTX. So I'm not quite sure where to start. So I'm going to say, Matt, where should we start?
0: Yeah, that's a good question because FTX is such an esoteric mess, but at the same time, fascinating story and has a lot of lessons for compliance officers and risk managers. I'll do my best to give the abridged version. And we're only going to go on this podcast for 20 minutes. So we might have breaking news before the end of it because this story is happening (laughs) so fast. FTX was, not is, was a cryptocurrency platform. So that would be like an online brokerage like E-Trade or, I don't know, Schwab or something that you might use to trade stocks and more traditional financial assets. FTX was a platform like that for crypto assets, including... FTX's own crypto asset, a token known as FTTs. That will become important in about three minutes, I promise. But what happened was FTX was this big, high-flying crypto exchange led by this very, I don't know if you want to call him charismatic or flamboyant or a little bit of both, but this Silicon Valley supposed wunderkind, Sam Bankman Freed, he founded the company, he coded the exchange, he built it up, And by the beginning of this year, FTX was a major cryptocurrency trading platform. It was worth an estimated $32 billion. Sam Binkman-Fried, he goes by the initials SBF, he had billions of dollars. He was a very wealthy donor to the Democrats this election cycle, advertised in the Super Bowl. So if any of you watched and you remember that weirdo commercial with Larry David saying that he didn't think that this, that, or the other fad was going to stick and it was really just an advertisement for crypto. FTX was the one behind that commercial. But anyways, here's what's happened is in the summer, some of the more exotic bets that FTX and Sam Binkman-Fried had been making in the crypto world, and specifically a related hedge fund called Alameda Research. This was a sister fund also founded by SBF, but not part of FTX, but they were interconnected, Alameda research started running into some really difficult financial situations because some of the bets it made on crypto had gone south. So what did SBF do? He decided to transfer some of the assets on FTX's balance sheet to Alameda as like a bridge. A lot of these assets were the own the its own token the FTT token that's what FTX lent lent to its sister research firm and then the big deal is that a lot of those assets were not actually Sam Bankman frieds assets they weren't FTX's corporate assets they were customer deposits that then got shifted over to Almeda the hedge fund about 10 billion dollars worth the fund then continued to deteriorate And then a rival exchange, Binance, they announced last week that they were going to dump all of their FTT assets, which caused everybody to do a run on FTX. It did not have the money to pay people back because it had lent all of those customer deposits to the hedge fund. And so FTX was suddenly flirting with bankruptcy, then we get to the really scandalous stuff, which is that it seems that once the money went into F- from FTX to Alameda, at least 2 or 3 billion dollars worth of that 10 billion sum, that is now unaccounted for. And where did it go? We're not clear. And we can talk about some of the reasons why that is not clear in a few moments. But basically, this is kind of sort of like Those of you who might remember the MF Global hedge fund about 10 or 11 years ago, the one in New Jersey that went belly up and lost about a billion dollars of customer assets. Where did they go? Nobody knew. Maybe a bit like the Lehman Brothers collapse in 2008. I don't think it's quite as grave as that. It's not going to spark a financial crisis, but basically Lehman had a bunch of off balance sheet liabilities it hadn't disclosed. Sort of what's happened with FTX. It had a bunch of liabilities in money it lent to Alameda that then went into the breeze. And we don't even know. Did FTX lose a billion of customer money? Did it lose two billion? Did it lose as much as eight billion, which is one report? But Alameda is a mess. FTX filed for bankruptcy over the weekend. And then just to make it even better, on Friday night, after the company was filing for bankruptcy, it suffered a hack. From whom? We don't know. Attackers who then somehow absconded with at least another, they think, 400 or $500 million. But at this point, the finances are a mess. The company is in bankruptcy. Criminal authorities from here to the Bahamas, which is where FTX is nominally headquartered, they are circling Sam Bankman-Fried with criminal investigations ftx is now under bankruptcy receivership run by the same person who ran the enron bankruptcy just as a throwback all the way to 2002 and here we are like i said this is a fast-moving story we might even have more news by the end of the 20 minutes or so but it is a just complete bonkers story waiting for the hulu adaptation like in 2024 or so
1: So, Matt, I'm glad you brought up Enron because I saw some of Enron in this as well. Certainly, there was the movement of customer funds, clearly illegal in the United States under securities law. But we recall FTX was not domiciled or headquartered in the United States. It was headquartered in in the Bahamas. And that may be fraudulent or breach of contract, but there's no Bahamian law governing that. But I took a look at Matt Levine, who writes in Bloomberg. If you've never read Matt Levine, he is one of the great business columnists. And he focused on the balance sheet. And what he saw was the Enron financial engineering at play because the assets which allegedly people were paying for from FTX were essentially these token assets, but they were all created by FTX. You mentioned the FTT token asset. There was another class of assets called Serum, and they were made up by FTX, and they just assigned a value of $5.4 billion to them, and they carried that on their balance sheets till last week. Then they dropped it to $2.2 billion, and then, of course, the entire Alameda matter broke. So I think there is a lot of what we euphemistically say was financial engineering and Enron tried to engage in, uh, but it seems to me that uh, the balance sheet uh, was, is a, or was a complete mess, but they just made up assets and declared a value to them and said, this is our overall asset base. And they put them against liabilities and had a positive value uh, until very recently. This is as insane five days of any business I can recall, uh, even Enron Took two months to go into bankruptcy. And here, I think we had it in five days. But Matt, you really decided to maybe take a step back and look at it from an overall GRC approach, perhaps compliance issues, certainly governance issues. And you blogged about that with a GRC analysis of the FTX implosion. I'm going to ask you about that. But before we do, I want to bring up now the concept of an off. Because last week, FTX stopped withdrawals customer withdrawals, except they had off-ramps. And they had three or four off-ramps. Before we start, could you explain what an off-ramp is and how you saw that as a violation of perhaps the most basic rule of internal controls.
0: Tom, I have to admit, I didn't even see that part. I'm not quite sure what you mean by the off-ramp. There's been an awful lot of reporting out there. But if you walk me through some of what the off-ramps was, maybe we could talk about it a bit more. But part and parcel of what's going on with this story is there's too much craziness to even be able to keep up.
1: So the off-ramp, you had characterized it as the back door or... the back door. Yes. The back door. That's... Matt Levine calls that the off-ramp. All right. What's
0: the back door? So here's the thing. All right. Everything is hitting the fan last week at FTX. And so Sam Bankman-Fried calls a meeting of the senior staff. And this is all recounted in an in-depth article from Reuters. And there are now many in-depth articles about what has gone wrong at FTX. But the Reuters article is excellent. And they described that several people said there is a back door in FTX's bookkeeping systems. And that was built right into the bookkeeping system, which is not based on like Oracle or SAP or other known financial software. This was FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried. Basically, they coded their own financial bookkeeping system. Red flag number one is that you're using your own homegrown financial system. But allegedly, Bankman-Fried encoded this backdoor that allowed him to execute commands that could alter the financial records without alerting other people, including the external auditors. We can get to the auditors in a bit and who they were and what they did or didn't do. But this meant that the movement of the 10 billion into Alameda or Alameda, that didn't trigger any other approvals or reviews or compliance alerts about what are we doing at FTX with this customer money that we're shifting 10 billion off to Alameda, the hedge fund. That all went through basically on Sam Bankman-Fried's personal whim because he had encoded a backdoor into the financial system. Now for the record, Bankman-Fried denies that this is the case, but Reuters is reporting several people saying it is the case. You know, there is still the fact that somehow $10, million, 10 billion went from FTX into the hedge fund, and it looks to me and to most people like nobody knew what was going on because it's caught everyone by surprise. <laughs> that sounds like a backdoor to me. Now, if Matt Levine, who is a superb analysis, analyst of business issues, if he calls it an off-ramp, that's fine. The phrase still means the same, that there are various shortcuts that were built right into TX's IT systems and financial systems to allow these shenanigans. And so they happened. Apparently, that seems to be what the facts point to. What about the auditors, Matt? That's an excellent question, because you would think that an auditor would want to look at the existence of a backdoor, especially if this is a sector of the financial services world that is notorious for being sketchy. Now, FTX had built a reputation as being sort of welcoming of more regulation, which is more than we can say for most crypto firms. But nonetheless, crypto right there by definition means it is at higher risk of some sort of nonsense. And... It is homegrown financial software, so somebody somewhere might want to think about what is this code and are there backdoors? You would have hoped that an auditor would look like at those kind of issues. Now, in the real world, in a separate podcast, maybe we can talk about why this is not anywhere near as regular of an event as it should be, but... The two auditors that we know of that are associated with FTX are Arminino and a small firm called Prager Metis. Now, Arminino is a second tier firm, not in the big four, is in the top 20. Arminino is legit, but Arminino had been racing to provide auditing services to crypto firms. Prager Metis, I had never heard of until last week. They are known for proudly proclaiming they are the first audit firm to work in the metaverse. Don't think that's a badge of distinction these days, but whatever. Maybe I'm just an old fart. But anyways, these two audit firms are known to have worked with FTX. We don't actually know for sure that they are the ones who performed the audit. Sam Bankman-Fried did proclaim on Twitter last year that his was the first crypto firm to actually get a GAAP financial audit by whom we assume Arminino or Prager, but nobody has explicitly said that. What were the audit opinions from that audit? We don't know. That's never been released. And what did they actually look at? Was it just at the financials or did they actually look at the internal controls and specifically the IT general controls that a company would use to govern its financial processes. We don't know. But we do know that it doesn't seem like there was a very large, reputable big four firm that was involved with what had been a large crypto platform. And we don't, we just, I could go on and on. We don't know. And that seems to be the running theme for FTX's current situation.
1: You also touched on a point that perhaps is salient for the compliance professional, and it was around third parties. However, here it was not third-party sales agents or agents on the sales side. It wasn't even vendors in the supply chain. It was an investor. Yes. What did you see around one of the investors? How did that perhaps play a role of this? And why does it point towards you basically need to do diligence, perform due diligence rather, with anyone with whom you transact business, even if it's to take in their money as an investor?
0: So we have to go back to, I mentioned a rival crypto platform a while ago called Binance. This is the third party in question here. So once upon a time, Binance and FTX were on good terms. They shared WeWork space in Hong Kong or some sort of office space. And the founder of Binance, a uh, Canadian national Born in China, moved to Canada, became a Canadian, then moved back to work in China, now lives in Singapore. But this man named Changpeng Zhao, I'm just going to call him Zhao, although he goes by the nickname CZ, because nobody uses their real name in crypto, which... Seems par for the course. But, anyways, Zhao was so enamored with uh, FTX early on that he took a $100 million stake. He made a $100 million investment in FTX in exchange for a 20% stake in FTX back in 2019 or so. By 2021, FTX is trying to conquer the world. It needed a business license in Gibraltar. And Gibraltar authorities said that you need to disclose all of the relevant background of all of your investors, including Mr. Zhao, who by any compliance officer's first look would say, no, this guy's a high-risk party. We need to do the full workup on him. And Zhao did not provide any real substantive background information on, his, on any part of his background, really, to that application. And that should have been a red flag to FTX. We have a major investor who's really tight-lipped about exactly what business they're in and their true financial picture. Eventually, FTX did take, I guess, the proper course is that they bought Zao out for $2 billion. So first off, the one who's the smartest here is Zao. He makes a $100 million investment in FTX in 2019. Two years later, FTX has to buy him out for 20 times as much. Well done, Mr. Zhao. But anyways, Zhao gets bought out. He is now away from the ownership picture of FTX so they could proceed with the license. But it just speaks to the challenges around dealing with these sketchy players who are in crypto and how important it is to do due diligence. I guess you could say FTX finally did due diligence the hard way by saying, we can't do anything with this guy. We've got to cut him loose. So they did. It was an expensive lesson to learn. They probably should have done due diligence on Zhao at the start. So they would have known at least he might be potentially problematic in our future business, which he then proved to be. But throughout all of this, you might ask, where was FTX's board? They are apparently nowhere because FTX does not have a board or it has a board of one, which was Sam Bankman Freed. And Tom, since you mentioned Twitter... I will now have a crossover episode of craziness here because Zhao is also one of the major investors now in which social media platform that just went private and is going completely nuts in a separate issue. He is one of the investors now in the privately held Twitter, along with Elon Musk. It's just there's a whole lot here about how to properly govern yourself if you're going to go through a high growth phase. Sam Bankman-Fried is all of 30 I was an idiot when I was a 30. I didn't really know exactly what I should be doing with how to run a business. Looks to me like maybe Sam Bankman-Free just didn't quite understand what he should be doing, how to put good oversight structures into his business. Then again, this is crypto. It's a bunch of libertarian Ayn Rand fanboys who don't want anybody overseeing anything they do. And who is surprised that things like this then happen? this is a total mess. And it is actually going to cost somebody somewhere real money because we do have those customer funds that got transferred into the hedge fund and now have vanished into the breeze. So this is an expensive lesson for innocent investors to learn. Although this is crypto, I think that learning that lesson was an inevitable. They had a rendezvous with this destiny and so it has arrived.
1: So Matt, do you think this will lead or push us towards some sort of U.S. regulatory oversight, whether it's from the FTC, the
0: CFTC, or the SEC? I think it will. Certainly, Congress had been moving slowly but surely to some sort of oversight of crypto anyways. But I will say that anyone who thought that they were going to do a light-touch regulation of the cryptocurrency world yeah that that's gone that's not is no regulation or light regulation this is a mess that will get real people burned real people are constituents of lawmakers they're going to call up and complain and the lawmakers will take note of that now exactly what sort of regulation might arise i don't know i do think it would be wise for congress to set the framework here and then whether the sec does it or the cftc or somebody else but very clearly This is getting out of hand. And I think when you do see rising interest rates, when you do see slower economic growth, when you do see a lot of these implosions happening at really non-overseen crypto businesses, there's no way that FTX is gonna be the last one. FTX is not even the first. We've had other crypto businesses go kaput earlier this year. They were just on a smaller scale. But in fact, some of those businesses that went kaput caused the trouble that put things into motion here for FTX today, that they came under strain, they and Alameda Research. I don't know what the regulation is going to look like, but there's no way this does not result in more oversight of crypto. And I think that's necessary. So I can't
1: believe we actually had a business be more insane than Twitter and take it off the number one page. But it did, at least for a few days. I'm sure we'll get to revisit this again,
0: Matt. I think so too, Tom. Thank you very much.
1: This is Tom Fox. Again, I hope you've enjoyed this special 300th anniversary episode of the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds. Matt and I have had a ton of fun over this podcast series. I hope you have as well, perhaps learned a little about compliance details and Into the Weeds. And I hope you'll join Matt and I again as we head on for our next 300 episodes. Compliance into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This
0: podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.